Um, why? Right? Why? Your answer is as good as mine, Troy. What is going on? I want to welcome you from half court for today, Wednesday, April 6, 2022. I'm your coach, host, Sean Murphy, alongside my guy, Jeff Iafrady. Jeff, how we doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, it's, a, it's a great Monday. The weather is terrible right now yep. in, in Michigan, but you know what? We've got some topics to talk about. Oh, we've got, we got some, some topics, topics to talk about. To talk about. Jeff, I, I'm, I've been checking the weather app like a fiend. Just looking at what the weather is going to be like this week in uh in Detroit for opening day, and uh, we are uh, we are not getting a crispy, warm, sunny day. We are getting a we are getting a cold, rainy hell fest. It's going to be great. I'm excited. But yeah, sounds about I, right. Uh, yeah. But I'm not only joined by my guy Jeff. I am also joined by the the six foot three from Marquette, Michigan, Troy Sergey. Troy, I, I I try the rhyming every week. I just figure, you know, today it's March Madness. It's a good day. I just figure, I just figure, I give you that good OG intro. You know, how we doing? Doing good, Sean. But I am a little sad. Yes, we got uh, the national championship game tonight, but I am still sad. There's no NBA on tonight. Yeah, man, it's uh, I'm dead inside on that. I mean, it's I'm not gonna lie. It's you know the the national championship game. That's always a super fun watch. I forget how late it starts every single year. Like what, who decided that nine 21 is the time to start a basketball game? Yeah. Like, what are these guys doing? Like, I understand like maybe like the West coast ratings, like, okay, I like sure. But like, you don't got to murder us on the East coast. Like, yeah, what are you, you're, doing? You're, you're, you're tuning out a good majority of the viewers. Unless you're, you're, you wanted to wake up for work tomorrow. Just tired. It's either yeah. option A or option B. You watch it and be tired, or you just miss it and have to check the highlights tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, college kids, like, it's fine for them. You know what I mean? Like, they, right. I mean, they're, yeah, they're in college. Right. I mean, they don't care. But, you know, but for everyone else, all us old people, it's sucks. It's chalked, but that's okay. We, we're still going to watch it. We love basketball here because it's who we are. This is from Half Court Reach. And every week, the three of us sit down and talk about the game that we love in the NBA specifically. If you'd like that, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel. We are on all the audio services that your heart desires, so be sure to find us on there as well and give us a good rating. But also, be sure to join the conversation in the comment section down below and follow us on Twitter because we now have a Twitter account at FHCourtPod. That is FHCourtPod. We're going to be closing clips, memes, all that kind of stuff on there. So be sure to check that out. But with that, guys, there is a lot to talk about today. Now, we always like to start the show with the Pistons. I, I think that's uh, I think that's a good place to start. However, I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity. I want to start this show on a little bit of a positive note. The Sacramento Kings have made NBA history, and I want to congratulate the city of Sacramento, the Kings organization, for missing the playoffs for the 16th consecutive year. Give it up, everybody. That's that is elite. Not hey, only Sean, I want to add something to that though. In their defense, they were summer league NBA champions this past year. And I think that should also deserve a round of applause. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, they they got the summer league title. That's really all we care about. Good for them. 
No, I, uh, yeah, it turns out uh, Davion Mitchell, his re the real reason why his nickname was Off Night because he was moving to Sacramento. And every night's an off night. In the <laughs> <Sacramento>. But <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, uh, the team that made a win now trade that ended up with a worse record after the trade than the team that they traded with. And now their situation looks complete and utterly up. So Jeff, the Sacramento Kings, we're booming, baby, to the moon. We called this, Sean. Didn't we? I mean, we had talked about this on the pod. We talked about when they traded for Sabonis, and, and, and same with Troy. Like we, we, we understood Sabonis was the better player. You know right? how many people time. have told me that was, that time. was a good trade? No, it was terrible. It was terrible. And, and they traded away their future. Like if you, at, at least if you were losing games, you had the privilege to watch Tyrese Halliburton. Uh -huh. Now you're watching a finished product in in Demontis Sabonis. Pretty much waste his career away in Sacramento. By the way, move Sacramento to Las Vegas and/or Seattle. Can we make that a thing? As, as, as Adam Silver, get him on the phone. Let's hit make up Sacramento ownership. Make a Facebook group and get these sons of bitches out of Sacramento. At least get them in a, in a market where, at least if you're losing, you're held accountable. Like, what the hell is going on in Sacramento? Your ownership can't even be patient enough to understand. Well, we suck. We have no history of winning, and we have a young core. No away for DeMontis Sabonis and let's win now well how's that working out for you because you ain't winning now you ain't winning at all so it's they ain't winning now they might not win ever Jeff they, and it, this is the difference at least if okay at least if the Pistons and, and people are going to say well you, you know you're a Pistons fan you guys have sucked for the last couple at least we have won championships at least there's historic value in our franchise there is zero historic value in the Sacramento Kings you know what Joe Dumars went over there and helped out the front office all right Joe it wasn't not a good move, Joe. All right. Yeah, maybe you were trying to help your career. Bagley, Joe. I okay. <laughs> yeah, actually, Joe, thank you. Because you ended up trading us a piece that they were too impatient to keep and develop. So Sacramento has been nothing but a laughing stock to me. And honestly, it's sad that, you know, De'Aaron Fox is probably going to be another guy to leave. It's the bonus is going to leave. And they're going to restart the whole process over again. And they're going to have to go through the draft and draft these players and then trade them away to win now. So honestly, mm -hmm. it's a never-ending cycle with these idiots, man. It really yep. is. The current, the current president and general manager of the Sacramento Kings, Monty McNair. Yeah. Monty McNair. He might be <laughs> the worst executive in NBA history. Wait, Just, paying, paying Harrison Barnes all that money was a good idea. Wait, or trading for him was a good idea. Uh, this uh, core that, they put together is a, is a giant pile of crap. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. A giant pile of manure. Mm -hmm. And uh, it doesn't matter if they have De'Aaron Fox. It doesn't matter that they have the bonds of Sabonis. If you can't get your coach right and you can't get the, the fit of players right, where's your shooting on this team? You traded away two of your best shooters in Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Hill, and now you're sitting looking at yourself in the mirror going, why don't we have Sabonis? Why don't we have De'Aaron Fox? Why isn't our team winning games? You know what, Monty McNair? Fuck you. All right, uh -huh. fuck you. And, you know, your development of, of your team has been nothing but a failure. You know what? But, again, it's Sacramento. Should we expect anything better? I mean, that that is a real no. guys. Should we expect anything? We really shouldn't. And uh, if anyone, if anybody thinks otherwise, you're literally arguing against history. This team is the Detroit Lions of the NBA, but at least the Lions made the playoffs in the last 16 years. Troy, and at least, and, and at least they were entertaining. Real quick before you go, Troy, with Boogie Cousins. At least I got to see Demarcus Cousins in Sacramento ball. That was probably the most entertaining years they had when he was getting all those technical fouls and getting in all these damn near fist fights on the court. When he left, zero entertainment value. Literally, the only thing about this team that that has ever had any historic value 
is that Chris Webber looked cool in a Kings jersey. That's it. But Troy. That was the OG. Yeah, that is the OG. But but Troy, Sacramento Kings. You you must have a lot of positive things to say about yeah. this franchise. I'm gonna start with a trivia question for both of you. Can't look it up. Any of you know what the name of the street is on the Sacramento Kings Arena? You know how Woodward is for Little Caesars Arena. You know what the street name is for the Kings Arena? I can't imagine. It's David Stern Avenue. Okay. They named it David Stern Avenue because he saved the franchise. But dang it, David Stern, you should have not saved that franchise. Um, I think what defines the Sacramento Kings for me the most is always going for I guess the sexy player, right? The player that does not have the most upside, but at least looks cool. Uh, an example, Jim Fox. Um, another, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another example, I forget his first name, but remember that guy from Kansas they took with the fourth pick, uh, Tom Thompson back in the day, or Robinson, Thomas Robinson. Um, why? Right? <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, your, your answer is as good as mine, Troy. I, I really don't get it. Right. Um, yeah, but the Jimmer thing, I think, was big, too. Um, you know, we see him paying out, you know, good now with for Marvin Bagley for us. But, um, you know, yeah, you had you, a, at least some, you know, different options in that draft, too. So it's always the player that you think could work out but never actually does. Ben McLemore, another guy you take in the top 10. Um, their drafting to me, guys, has been the reason why they're so far behind. Right? I hate when Pistons fans always say, like, dang, you know, we could have had Devin Booker, but we picked Stanley Johnson, Greg Monroe over Paul George. The Kings have made way worse selections than us my friend well they just they just do it more consistently you know the, the the difference between us and the kings is we call it a travesty they call it a tuesday you know right. what i mean like that's just <laughs> another day in the office for them so you know like just when i when i look at this situation you know I, as far as like wh where they go going forward does it really matter because like they first of all where they should go is seattle or las vegas uh, I, I I think I think there's a couple organizations, in my opinion, that that should that the uh, relocation conversation should begin. And I think Sacramento is at the top of the list. And yeah. so, you know, especially missing the playoffs for a record 16th year in a row. In my opinion, if your franchise reaches 20 straight years without making the playoffs, you should be forced to sell your team. Like, can we wow. make that legislation? Because like at, at a certain point, like the, the, the people of Sacramento do deserve better. They really do deserve better than yeah. this because it's a travesty. Like this is supposed to be an escape for people, and this thing is just a nightmare. But, and you know what's even worse too is when you're not a attractive free agency destination, you can't afford to miss in the draft. You really can't. Like if you can't attract guys, who the hell is coming to Sacramento on a max deal? Who the hell is doing that? And if you're not getting free agents or luring them over, you have to have young talent that at least will attract guys or. You acquire guys via trade, which they did. They went and got Sabonis. But what a terrible time. Your team was already terrible, and you went and uh, traded for another all-star. Like, well, they have the no problem. idea what they're doing. Well, here's the problem, Jeff. How are you going to attract free agents when you don't even keep the guys who want to be there? Yeah, like, that's the biggest Tyrese thing. Halliburton was the guy. He was yeah. Mr. Sacramento King. Like, he wanted to be in the building. He wanted to turn the franchise around. And you just kick them to the curb for DeMontis a bonus. Like, it's literally for a freaking box of 
freaking pop rock. I, I couldn't believe what I saw when I read the article that Tyrese Halliburton cried when he found out he was traded from Sacramento. When I he saw his that, eyes out. I actually, a part of me was like, you know what? Feel for the fans, man, and Tyrese, obviously, but for the fans, like that, you get a guy who wanted to be in Sacramento and you trade him for a guy who probably won't even stay in Sacramento. Wow, Monty McMahon, you got you get you shock me every single day more and more. How yeah. your, your philosophy of, of building your franchise? So, it, I'm not surprised, Sean, but you know what? You're absolutely, I like the point you brought up though. If you haven't made the playoffs in that long of period, 16 years, like this isn't even just the NBA, this is across all sports when franchises are are so content with being terrible or bad or, or whatever it is, and you're not willing to make take the next step, whether it's spending in baseball, for example, or in this sport, NBA, just messing up in the draft. They're not keeping players. Get the hell out of here. Go to Las Vegas or go to Seattle. Like Go to a city that at least will support your team enough. Right now, Sacramento Kings fans, you're in a state where California, I'm going with the Lakers. I'm going with the Clippers. I'm like You're, you're choosing before I go to Sacramento. Yeah. It ain't working. Get them out of there. And yeah. part of me thinks, too, they're still hanging on to that Cincinnati Royals legacy, right? I mean, they won, you know, Oscar <laughs> Robinson and, 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 you know, guys like that. But, yeah, they've never done anything as the Kings, the Sacramento Kings, besides some fun jerseys with Chris Webber and Mike Bibby. You know, so it, it really is unfortunate that they've gotten this far of this far of terrible. Yeah, the last time the Sacramento Kings made it to the playoffs – was in 2005-2006. Bro, and George their, Bush was still president, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, their their leading scorer, I believe, uh, was Peja Stoyakovic. So, you know, if that tells you anything, that's where we're at. So, <laughs> you know, I uh, with, with them, with that team, you know, I, I hope they can get something figured out sooner rather than later. But I would wager that in the next year or two, they're going to be heading in in yet another rebuild because they're going to realize that this is almost unsalvageable, what they just did to themselves. So Sooner than later, and it's I think it's already later, Sean. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 100%. So with that, the Sacramento Kings, you know, there's, there's, believe me, we're going to be getting into a couple other franchises that are kind of a travesty right now. But one team that, that's actually been on the up and up is the Detroit Pistons. Now, the Detroit Pistons have won three in a row, and we have. It has all been, you know, like we we beat the 76ers, we beat the uh, we beat the Thunder, we beat the Pacers, and as we're starting to win, as the season winds down, there's is there is starting to be some concern, and the concern specifically of are we winning too much? Now, one thing to note. The Detroit Pistons at this current point are still in the top three draft odds. Uh, when we beat the Pacers, the Oklahoma City Thunder also won. So we still are above them in those rankings. So therefore, we still have a 52% chance of getting a top four pick. And we still have tied for the best odds at the number one pick. But with that, Troy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you on this one. Are the Pistons winning too many games? No, they're not. And it, honestly, what we're seeing right now the past three games is just guys playing basketball. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. It's guys who are hungry, who want to get better, and we're seeing them get better. One example of that is Killian Hayes. Uh, he has been definitely, I would say, our kind of disappointment this year. But the past week, he's shown us a different level. Um, mm -hmm. that, that he is 
potentially could have been very well a top 10 pick as in a good top 10 pick, uh, which, which, you know, in the 2020 uh, draft. And I think uh, we still see that there's glimpse of hope for him. And uh, another guy, Sadiq Bey. We've seen good out of Sadiq Bey all year, but we're definitely seeing him just more and more improve, improve ever since that 51-point game. Uh, he scored uh, six threes in a row. Um, uh, for six minutes against in the Indiana? six minutes of the game. Right, right. So what I'm seeing, Sean, is just guys playing basketball, guys yeah. that we you know want to see develop, that are developing. Um, and when the, when the buzzer sounds and you have more points than the other team and you call that a win, I call that a win too, right? It's that simple. So I would just say no, Sean. We should not be worried as Pistons fans that we're we're you know destroying our tank value by winning games at the end. No, we're just playing basketball, and uh, it's fun to see these guys develop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Troy. I actually absolutely agree with you. I don't have a problem at all. I don't know why people seem to now have a problem. Like when when Dwayne Casey's losing games, people want him out of town. But then now that you know he's, they're finding a way to win games especially now with the players, good luck. I have never in my entire life seen a coach get blamed for winning. I I am amazed at the criticism that people find for Dwayne Casey. Like, like at, at this point, they're digging because, you know, yeah. in February, it was pretty easy when we're losing nine games in a row, right? But now, when there's actually been a lot of positive and... Uh, the fruit has been bared that Dwayne Casey can actually coach basketball. Oh, you're supposed to be losing games. What are you doing? Organizations tank. Players and coaches don't. And that's yeah. just the truth. Yeah. That, that's absolutely, absolutely the truth. And that's players, such a great way of putting it, Sean. Go ahead, Jeff. Good luck convincing young players like this to tank. Why? Number one, why would you try and hinder the development like that? Why would you tell a player of any sort, and you're not going to convince Dwayne Casey to lose. That's on his coaching record. That's on the team's record overall for the season. Like, that stays there. And I get I get the odds. At this point in the season, do wins matter? Probably not. But in my opinion, it's one of my favorite times. I mean, you're not having a great season. You get to see guys like Carson Edwards touch the floor and play well. So I don't see why people have such a problem with, with winning games. I mean, if it's if you're already – right now, the NBA has a lottery system. Like, this isn't the NFL. Like, if you're the worst team in the NFL, you get the number one pick. That is not the same in the NBA. So, why do people overreact? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I always look back to the New Orleans Pelicans. They got the well, number one overall I was overall just going to say that. Who yeah. the hell expected that? Like, I'm not worried about having – we have the third worst odds right now, or the third best odds, excuse me. I'm good with it. I'm good. Well, Another guys- example was uh, 2007, Derrick mm-hmm. Rose. 2008, yep. Derrick Rose. They were like the 12th. Uh, they should have been the 12th pick in the draft, but they ended up number one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what and- I love about the NBA because of that. I mean, you don't have to necessarily always say, tank, 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 tank. Like, this is the Lions, and there's two games left, the game left. Yeah, maybe I'm sitting over there saying, just lose the damn game so we can get the number one overall pick. It doesn't work like that. You can lose, you can lose the rest of the games in the regular season. You still might get the third pick. Like, that's why people need to take a chill pill. Yeah. Take and, the chill pill. and listen, I think people are just missing the bigger picture because this is an opportunity for our guys to get touches, to play competitive basketball, and to do our best to actually close the season strong. Mm-hmm. And, and to the people that are worried that we're winning too many games, allow me to read you our schedule for the rest of the season. Oh, it's It's rough. On Wednesday, we play at home against the Dallas Mavericks a team that is still playing for their playoff seed. Luka Doncic is going to tear the shit out of us. 
we're going to lose. On Friday, we play the Milwaukee Bucks in Detroit, our home finale. And Milwaukee's playing for something, too. Giannis Antetokounmpo is trying to win the MVP. And he's going to run down our fucking throats. We're going to lose. And then on Sunday, we go on the road to the Philadelphia 76ers. And Joel Embiid and James Harden are still trying to secure the home court advantage for the playoffs. We're going to lose. And they won that and they're going to beat the shit out of us. So to everybody that, and you know, like, I don't know who to expect to play in those games. I don't know if any stars will play for the entirety of the game or for half of a game. I, I have no clue. But even, even if their stars don't play, these teams are still better than them. You know? So it, it, it's it's just one of those things where guys like, Killian Hayes, he's getting he's getting the run out there that you've wanted him to get all season. Sadiq Bay, he's getting more and more touches. And then we're seeing other guys like, you know, like we're seeing our our some of our uh our some of our two-way guys. We've got Carson Edwards who came up, uh literally just got off a flight and started playing for the Pistons, got, you know, got almost got a double double in Indiana. Like, like we're seeing guys actually get touches, get chances. Braxton Key, Jamarco Pickett, Isaiah Livers, like. These are the kinds of minutes that are really valuable for young players. And, you know, like, yeah, we're not trying to win these games. It's just that these other teams just out tanked us. Like, that's just the way it is. So, uh, and even the games, even the games they lose, they keep close. Like, I think over the last 15 games, they've covered, like, whether they lose or win, they're still playing close games. So, if anything, fans should be excited. I mean, you're, you're playing, even if you lose, you're still like the other, the one night, Cade had a great game, but we lost. So it's like it kind of, a, you know, it's a win-win in a way people like to look at it, but who cares, man? If the business are out there competing, playing good basketball, I know it doesn't carry over into next season, but certainly player development does. Yep. So to your point, Sean, like having these guys get out there and get extra touches, I mean, it's, I, I love it, man. I mean, give Carson Edwards an opportunity. Like I want to see him more. Like I, I love seeing guys like that, that, that get the Braxton Key, another one you brought up, a guy that, mm-hmm was left butt naked open one game. And then now he's actually hitting three point shots. Like you just, you're seeing things out of guys that you just wouldn't have seen before. It's just how it is. Right now, obviously I would expect that Cade Cunningham is not going to play the rest of the way. I'd expect Marvin Bagley's not going to play the rest of the way. Um, I would expect Corey Joseph is also not going to be playing. I would expect, you know, that, that we're going to see a lot of those guys starting to get shut down. Kelly Olenek probably up there too. I'd imagine I wouldn't be shocked if if we see Luca Garza start start the last couple of games. Honest to God, so we we we, we might see Luca. Uh, we might see more Luca Garza versus Joel Embiid in Philly on on the game. Say Luca on Luca on uh, on Wednesday night. Uh huh. I don't know if I'm ready for Luca versus Embiid. Yeah, that, I mean, that's barbecue chicken. Oh, that's, that is that's barbecue chicken. That's barbecue chicken and coleslaw on the side, man. That is fuck. <laughs> that's a fucking feast. <laughs> but, but in Luca's defense, at least he'll be playing his heart out. Whatever that looks like, oh, yeah, he'll be he playing will. his he heart out. It's just off. every time he runs, it looks like he's running through fucking quicksand. Like the man <laughs> just always looks like he's moving through molasses. Frank Garza, I love you. I love Luca too. I, this is I'm just speaking fact. Anyway, yeah, I love Frank's a great guy. Dude. Yeah, Frank really is great. Is. Frank is great. He's yeah, he is a great guy. But yeah, and, and Luca's awesome too. I, and I'm excited he's on the team. I, I'm excited to see what these guys yeah. do as the season goes. As the I, season, I wanted to stretches. take Kelly's place. Take Kelly Olynyk's place eventually. Hopefully. you know what's you know what's mind boggling. You know how you know how young Marvin Bagley is. Luca Garza is older than Marvin Bagley. 
Yeah, wasn't Luca like a senior coming out of Iowa, like player of the year and everything? Yeah, yeah. A, a traditional yeah. senior, right? Yeah, yeah, but like it's like one of those things. It's like, oh yeah, like holy, cow, like holy crap, he really is that young. Like like Marvin Bagley is literally yeah. that young. So you know, everyone that's saying he, he's literally just a month older than Sadiq Bay. <laughs> like, come on, guys. But anyway, yeah, I, I I'm excited to see what this team does going down the stretch now. We do have some other juicy things to talk about. One of the things that came out today, Magic Johnson uh, did a little bit of a promo tour on ESPN for his four-part docu, uh, docu-series coming on Apple TV Plus about his career because, you know, now everyone's getting their documentaries after Michael Jordan did his, you know, just kind of how it goes. But yeah, but with that, there was some really interesting perspective and pieces of information because Magic Johnson, obviously, being a... Um, being a part of the uh, being a part of the Lakers organization uh, used to be the president of basketball ops. Now he's, you know, still a, someone that's, you know, just as in an advisory role, someone that's like a friend of the franchise. And he said that he had conversations with DeMar DeRozan this summer. And we knew that the Lakers were on a short list, but he told magic quote, I want to come home and magic reached out to the franchise and let the Lakers know about this. And obviously the roster that we were all expecting the Lakers to put together this summer was LeBron, DeMar DeRozan, Anthony Davis, Buddy Heald. And that lineup on paper with everything we saw this year would have been pretty freaking good. And they would have been a lot better than this team. I think we can say that much. Oh yeah. But LeBron insisted that the Russell Westbrook trade was the way to go. And the more, like, first of all, Troy, you remember, I literally that night, we were talking about that trade as it happened Mm -hmm. when we were on our way to the Little Caesars Arena to watch Cade Cunningham get drafted by the Detroit Pistons. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the first thing I said to you? You said, what? This sucks. I literally said, both parties lose. I literally said, what a dog shit trade this is <laughs> and it is just proven to be so bad like this has been a disaster and now the lakers are in a situation where they are effectively two games out of the out of the play-in tournament with only four games remaining this the san antonio spurs are currently on track to make the playoffs when they don't have nearly the caliber of players that the Los Angeles Lakers have. They only have one guy. Yeah, 100%. And so my question, what do the Lakers do this offseason? I mean, first you got to blow this up, right? I mean, at least at least the at least yeah. the 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 pieces around at least LeBron. Yeah. But do if I'm LeBron, I'm buying Russell Westbrook a plane ticket. Oh yeah. Getting his ass out of town. But but I'll here's drive the, to thing. the airport. Here's here's the other piece of it though. Has the Anthony Davis LeBron James pairing run its course? Because I think it has. Mm-hmm. I did too. Yeah, I think Sean. To add with that, what the Lakers can do is not listen to LeBron anymore. I hate to say it. I mean, in what other sport and what players in NBA history besides you know Michael Jordan? I guess in in, in a way has this much influence on a franchise. You know, we saw James Harden a little bit too the past couple of years with with Houston having influence over the franchise, but it just doesn't work. It it doesn't work. It's a bias uh, 
thought, action, um, yeah. having having a player run like that and have that much authority given to. Um, you blow it up and like you actually blow it up. I mean, if your name is not LeBron James, I might even go just there. Then yeah. you might oh, – Malik Monk – uh, yeah. I mean, you don't have a safe seat in my seat. So I, I say, I say, absolutely blow it up. Watch guys retire and start rebuilding the same way teams like Detroit and OKC now are rebuilding, right? The 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 smart way, the right way in well, the draft uh, with free agents who yeah. um, they they have the luxury of being a free agent destination, you know, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Sean, you have to blow it up that way. You can't blow it up by who does LeBron James want to play for. Well, I, I mean, I would argue, I, I I don't know if the draft is an option if you have LeBron James on your roster. You gotta you gotta try and maximize LeBron James's time in a Lakers uniform. I think I don't know if the problem is that LeBron has too much power in this team. I think the I think the problem with the Lakers is that it's been run like a family business for far too long. Everyone that's in positions of power and has prominent voices in the Lakers organization is all because of their connections with the Lakers franchise. Rob Palenka is just because he's Kobe's agent. He's the, he's the president of basketball operations. I mean, uh, Frank Vogel was the, was the coach they hired after the, the coach they should have hired the, like just everything about this franchise, how everything's put together. I think they are such a dis, uh, just such a dysfunctional organization that has been hidden by winning for so long. And once, you know, and once ownership transferred to genie bus, it's been a shit show. And I yeah. just don't think there's any other way to say it. They just have been over the past, ever since Kobe's final years on the team, have been a shit show. Yeah, no, that that's probably the right word for it, shit show. And, and listen, the Lakers, have, they, they won in 2020. I get it was the bubble. But I, the thing, the problem with Anthony Davis is the health. And they, there's a reason why he's called tree close. Right? He's never available. But I think there's a bigger issue, and you talked about it from the ownership, and, and that's why Max Johnson said, "Get me the hell out of here." I, I thought I wanted to become an coming adv- become a GM type role, but now I'm you know I'm just going to become an advisor. I mean, you bring in Frank Vogel because you want again, we're the organization, we're going to choose the head coach for LeBron, mm-hmm. but then you let him choose the like, and then you let him choose the player and Russell. West. Like, I, I don't get the philosophy. Should Monty Williams was my pick. If I'm the Lakers, I'm like that should have been the coach you hire. But again, what do I know? You bring in Flank Vogel, and he won an NBA championship. So now he's going to have to be the fall man. He's going to have to be the guy that takes the arrows for for everybody on the team. Is it Frank Vogel's fault? No. But again, I mean, you trade, you went ahead and got a Russell Westbrook, and the problem was you lost your best perimeter defender in Cruz. So you lost another one of your best perimeter defenders in, in KCP, and then you trade away uh, Kyle Kuzma in that trade. Like, and then you got older because you signed Carmelo. You signed Dwight Howard. Like they went mm-hmm. in reverse. Like they got older and they got worse. And you're Anthony Davis, the guy who's supposed to be, you know, one of your best players, if not your best player. This is the year. Remember, guys, they won the NBA championship. No, LeBron, he can finally take a step back. Anthony Davis, the throne's his. Yeah, it's what time the hell for him to take seen? it. Yeah. What the hell have we seen from Anthony Davis? Nothing, because he hasn't been on the court, and that's the issue. So Russell Westbrook and, and uh, LeBron James has been a failure. And DeMar DeRozan, I would have loved to see that tandem. Not only just DeMar DeRozan, because you were getting Buddy Heald. You were getting the shooting. They don't have any shooting. I mean, Kendrick Nunn hasn't even played a goddamn game for them. I mean, he's played one or two. The guy hasn't even been on the floor all year. And not only just that, Malik Monk is arguably one 
your best just pieces on the perimeter. And he's not, he doesn't even look like he's happy there. So like the guys that are there aren't even happy. Like it, it's a mess. And Frank Vogel is probably going to be the guy that takes the fall. I don't think, you know, now can you, can you restructure this team? Yes. But again, who's trading for Anthony Davis, for example, who's mm-hmm. trading for Russ. Don't even get me started with Russell Westbrook. No one in the right goddamn mind. is. They're going to have to move. They're going to have to move a first round pick. Yes. To get him off this team, and, and they, remember Absolutely. they don't have a first round pick for sad. years. They don't have a first round pick for years, so they're they're already just digging themselves in a deeper hole, and all of that started again like by bad organizational decisions. Like mm-hmm. and to your point, Sean, ownership has always been a problem. So the Lakers, I mean, for an historic franchise as great as they were, Kobe, big reason why they were relevant, they were able to win, and now they got LeBron, they won an NBA championship. But how do you sustain and keep winning NBA championships? It starts up top, and they got nothing. Look at the Warriors; they were the most, they were the best organizationally from top to bottom. They they ran it the right way. They had the right players. They were able to get better players, win multiple championships. You can say super team and all that. The Lakers don't know how to run a franchise if it hit them in the face with with mm-hmm. the genie bus. I mean, it, it's been that bad. So who knows what the hell they'll do? But it's probably going to be a blow up but again. Who's trained for these guys, Sean? For sure, who Nobody. the hell is trading for? Yeah the the only team that's trading for Anthony Davis is a team that's desperate. And, you know, I, I, I just, you know, the, and even then a lot of these teams that are desperate don't have the assets because desperate teams make desperate moves before they even get the chance to make another one. So the, the one team that came to mind, and I'm not saying desperate, but like a Miami maybe, but for, for AD, but I don't think, I think they're smart enough to, to not well, do that with, with injury stuff. Well, well, the other thing too, like eat culture being as like, you know, as, as stingy and as, as it is, wherever Anthony Davis would go, we have to sign off on too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'd want to go to. I don't know if you'd want to go from LA where you literally get to do whatever you want. You literally right. get to play like shit every day and no, get no accountability for it from the franchise. Like, like here, and, cause here's the thing, the, the organization deserves a lot of the blame, but the players sure as hell do not get off scot-free. Oh no! Like, like LeBron doesn't get off scot-free. Anthony Davis sure as hell doesn't get off scot-free and Russell Westbrook. Now, here, here's here. I'm right. Re- I'm at the point where I'm ready to say it. So I'm just going to say it. Russell Westbrook's a bad basketball player. He is not a good, like, like, and I'm not even like, I'm not doing the joke thing. I'm not doing like the, like the thing with Adam we did on the morning show. or <laughs> just making fun of this guy and how bad of a season it's been. No, Russell Westbrook. I am being dead serious is a bad basketball player. He yeah, does not, yeah. he does not affect winning. His offensive game is, is shot. His skills, his overall skills as a point guard, if you take his athleticism out of the equation, he Bad. might be one of the least skilled point guards in the NBA. You know what's scary, too? Like, with Russell Westbrook, if you're in a building team around him, like with OKC, you can't surround him with all these star players. It just doesn't work. And then if you don't do that, you're a sixth seed. You're a seventh seed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Russell could take you to a seventh seed and get you bounced in the first round. But if you actually want to win games, Russell, like the Lakers are trying to do this season and put him around other good players or great players, he just he just can't change his game. Like, he's too stubborn. And good luck telling him because now you're telling a guy who's a former MVP, a guy who has averaged multiple seasons with a triple-double. Well, I, I've averaged a triple-double for multiple seasons. I've won MVP. I've done – I put, look at my body of work. Mm-hmm. Please, dude. Well, again, There's only one franchise – for Russell Westbrook, and that is the Sacramento Kings. Wait, Troy, you might be onto something. 
I think those are the only dumb sons of bitches that would trade for him. I swear to God. I think the New they York trade Sabonis for him, right? The Knicks, the Knicks would too. The, the Knicks, Knicks would, would do it. Too. I swear they would do it too. The Knicks would do it. And here's the thing: I, you know, because it's it's one of those things where he is he is a he is a good player, like or like he was a good player. He had he had a history of great stats. Here's the thing: stats a lot of times don't mean a damn thing because they don't tell the whole story. Yeah, they're inflated. Yeah, you can look at a box sheet. You can see everything that Russell Westbrook did. That's great. But how much more evidence do we need? I mean, first of all, there was how everything went down with Oklahoma City. The multiple first-round exits after Kevin Durant left, even when they brought in talent around Russell Westbrook. The The Paul George pairing... Remember when we thought that was going to be dangerous? With Mello? How'd that turn out? Yeah, with Mello. How'd that turn out? And then the the James Harden-Russell Westbrook pairing in Houston. How'd that go? Did they make it? Did they even make it to the Western Conference Finals? There's a common denominator in all of this, Sean, and we both know who it is. Yep, it's Russell. And, and that's the thing. And how did the Lakers not see this? Well, because they, they just did what the Lakers do. It's a cycle. Once they're out of their championship window, they try to fix it by bringing in an old aging star on a bad contract every time. This is Steve Nash all over again. Yeah. Oh my. Oh my God. This is literally. Forget about. Like this is literally Steve Nash and like like literally like Steve Nash Dwight Howard all over again. And Dwight like, Howard's still on the team. <laughs> yeah, and he's still there. And like Anthony Davis, he won't like remember when was, remember when this was supposed to be the year that he was gonna play center, by the way. Oh, remember shoot. when he said this this is gonna be the year? He doesn't like playing center. <laughs> and he and he won't do it. And, and when he's out on the court, and like here's the thing: even when Anthony Davis was healthy this year, he played bad basketball. For a lot of the year. He did. 20, what was it? Like underwhelming basketball. Like it was. At one point, he was like the most inefficient shooter in the mid range, I believe, but he was hell bent on taking them. Like there's, there's just, there's a lot of things about Anthony Davis's game to be concerned about. Now, obviously, I mean, he, he turned it around a little bit, became like a 23 point a game score, 53%. But again, if you're solely just looking at the box sheet, you could say, oh, well, that's an all-star player. He's but, better than that. He but, really yeah, is. but exactly. But, like, Zach Levine and Kevin Durant probably score around the same points a game. Are you telling me Zach Levine's Kevin Durant? Are you telling me Are you telling me Chris Paul and Lonzo Ball are the same because they have similar assists? Not, you know, like, there's just – there is levels to this. And, and nothing reveals your worth to a team more than what you're like when you age. Chris Paul is no longer near his physical peak as far as being an athlete. But I would argue he's he's never been more valuable in his career. You know? LeBron Absolutely. LeBron James, he 36 years old. He's not in his athletic prime either. He he's he he's two games away from being the scoring champion this year. Granted, it didn't mean a damn thing because he did it yeah. on a Lakers team that wasn't good, but like it's it shows and like Dwayne Wade, he adapted. He became a jump shooter towards the end of his career. Carmelo Anthony, he adapted. Like if you want to last in the NBA beyond your 30s, you have to adapt. 
Yeah. And no one and, has been more hell-bent on being just them than Russell Westbrook. And not just adapting your game, but adapting your play style with your teammates. Like Dwayne mm-hmm. Wade, you mentioned him, did it in Miami with Chris Bosh, welcomed in LeBron. Hey, I'll take a step. Hey, this is this is LeBron's show. I'm going to be the, the 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 second fiddle. I'm okay with that. It seems like Russell Westbrook and, and everyone praises, or and I actually I used to and I still do. I love the the way he plays and the mentality he plays with. But now it's a detriment. Like now it's actually mm-hmm. like a, it's it's bad against the team for how hard he's playing. I get it. But going a thousand miles per hour in an offense with LeBron. And again, people always say he'll work with LeBron. Everybody works with LeBron. You're seeing it right now. Russell Westbrook, if there's one player, it's Russell Westbrook that mm-hmm. won't work with LeBron. And it's because he won't give up the basketball. Like just get just and he can't shoot. So what is mm-hmm. he supposed to do? If you're giving up the basketball, you're gonna have to make plays without the ball. You can't do that because he can't shoot. So I'm at a loss, Sean. I'm at a loss for words. Well, I really said, am. You said one name there of, of someone who did adapt and wanted to, you know, help his teammates around, and that name was Dwayne Wade. But guess what Dwayne Wade had before all of that was a championship, right? He tasted mm-hmm. that he glory. pedigree before, before he had to adapt. And I'm afraid, exactly. yeah, right, exactly. And I'm afraid Russell Westbrook, as someone who hasn't tasted that uh, championship, I don't know if he ever will because he truly does not know or care uh, what it takes to win in this league. Well, He's shown that time and time again, guys. Well, and I think he, part of it is is he, that that is who he is. Like, mm-hmm. good luck telling – like, Russell has been through so much of his career, guys, being like, that's Russell. That's his game. How impressive. Love what I'm seeing out of Russell Westbrook. And now he's in L.A. He's like, what What, what do you – this is my game. This is come right. on, guys. Like you love this. This is what I do. Right. I put up stats. No, it's 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 ego. It really is with Russell Westbrook. And and, and you're in LA, buddy. You're in a market where they're going to let you hear it. This isn't. Yeah. You talk about New York. Same thing. If you're doing this for the Knicks, if, I, I, listen. I don't want him to have death threats. I think that's a little over the much. I mean, oh, it's way too family. much. It's way that's too much. Terrible. Like the fact that his wife has to get that. That should not happen. But criticism's Wait. fair, buddy. You're in LA. You know what else shouldn't happen? When you're out, uh, when when you are losing games and when you aren't playing up to performance, you by no means, as an athlete, should be saying, "I don't care what the crowd says or does during a game." You shouldn't say, "What do you mean? It's just another night. We're not treating this any differently." Like turning questions on reporters, deflecting blame, acting like anything's different. Russell Westbrook's been a child to the media for the past half of the season. He just has been. He's been a child. He's looked immature. So I understand this is a difficult situation. I mean, this was his literally his his hometown team. This it's probably got to feel like your childhood dreams are getting crushed right now. I can I can empathize with that. That's got to suck. You know, you know, uh, you know what really doesn't look good throughout through all this either? LeBron James leadership abilities. Because oh, he's clocked out. <laughs> well, he's so clocked out. Has he ever been clocked in? As a, like, right. I don't think so. Like, I'm a LeBron guy, say, like, but I will agree with Sean right there. Has he ever been? I don't think he has. Yeah, not this season. I think the minute he saw Russell Westbrook on that floor, he's like. Yeah, he. I just, in, in my opinion, I think LeBron's leadership is something that gets skimped over a lot because there have been a lot of moments where LeBron as a leader has come short for his team or has been a reason why they've fallen short. Like I think of, you know, I think of the NBA finals after the J.R. Smith thing. He punches a wall in the freaking locker room and breaks his hand. And then towards the end of the series starts wearing the cast and like, like literally just starts making that a narrative. Like, like, you know, like 
listen, man, I get that play was stressful. I get these things are hard, but like you can't break your shooting hand in a finals because you're mad about how a game went. Like, like it's just stuff like that. Like, but also with this, it's like, you know, like Russell Westbrook was hell bent on not changing. You know, who's the only person in the world that could probably speak to Russell Westbrook and get him to try and change LeBron James, because no player on the planet earth that's playing the game of basketball right now, maybe other than like Kevin Durant or like that top five players would say they're better than LeBron or that they've had a better career than LeBron. Like if there's anybody that like, it's that thing of like with Michael Jordan, people would say, Oh, he was scary as hell. But like part of why that team was so successful is because Michael Jordan was at the helm and he was leading that team. Yeah. Holding accountable people accountable. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, uh, What's been held accountable on this Lakers lost roster literally all year? Nothing. And and blame game isn't holding accountable, right? Mm-hmm. We, we sometimes we get that uh, confused. If we think holding accountable is pointing fingers, no, pointing fingers just leads to chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Correction, leading by I don't know example, right? That is the characteristics of a true leader. Yeah, one hundred percent. We could. We could go all day on this topic. Quite frankly, I think they're going to be very active this off season. I, I personally would argue that they need to make changes in the front office and in the coaching staff, but they're just going to fire Rob Palenka, call him the, I mean, uh, fire, uh, uh, it, it's uh, Rob Palenka, the GM, Frank Vogel, Frank Vogel. Yeah. Frank yeah. Vogel is going to be the scapegoat. Yeah. Frank Vogel is going to be the scapegoat. In my yeah. opinion, Rob Palenka should not have a job in the NBA front office. That's just me because outside of the championship year, He's been a terrible general manager and has made nothing but bad moves. So that's the way the cookie crumbles on that. But with that, there's also the situation in Brooklyn and Ben Simmons, uh, the team announced Steve Nash came in front of the media and announced that Ben Simmons won't be back in time for the rest of the regular season or the play in tournament. Now I saw some discourse on Twitter today. I say, I saw people saying like, why would they make this trade? Did they do any evaluation of his health? And the thing is, is that he suffered this injury apparently while working out over the all-star break. And it's like a hernia, like like apparently he had like a herniated disc in his back or something like that. So it, you know, it's one of those things where this is a little bit like, you know, I, I, I understand it's easy to think that this is fake, but it's real. Like if he'd be, if he could be on the court at this point, he would be, he's not in Philly. So you know, my my question to you guys is: This too late for Brooklyn to actually swing it back and make a run this year, Jeff? I want to start with you because when Kyrie and Ky- like they have not like they came out hot when they started playing full time, but their win percentage with Kyrie on the court hasn't been anything inspiring. And, and a big part of that is now Kyrie's allowed well, before that, but lately. He's allowed to play home games, and when you're not playing, you're taking these breaks, and and you're getting these nights where you can you can you know come back be efficient. Now you're playing night in and night out, it hurts your efficiency, and you're seeing mm-hmm. that out of Kyrie Irving. So, are the Nets should they be ruled out as contenders? Absolutely. I mean, come on, guys. Like they they lost Joe Harris in the beginning of the year. They didn't. They don't have Shamit from last year. They don't have Blake Griffin hasn't even played a minute barely this season. So shout out to Blake Griffin by the way. He's riding the bench. Mm-hmm. Andre Drummond is your starting center. You know how that, thank you, Troy. You know how that mm-hmm. goes. Kyrie Irving and, and Katie with James Harden earlier before they traded James. I was like, you know what? The Nets, I mean, they might be one of the worst in the league at, at, at playing defense, especially on the perimeter. But again, this team was just as bad last year playing defense. And they, they were the one of the best teams in the playoffs come the postseason in terms of defensive rating. So, but this team has, it can't be helped, Sean. They have no shooting. 
They have it's, it's a top-heavy team. And, and what is one thing, if you're an opposing team, like if we're the Pistons and we're playing Kevin Durant, you know Kevin Durant's going to get his, and that's what scares us. Right. He can come out and score 55 points. He did that the other night and lost. Yep. He lost scoring a, a career high in points. That should tell you right there, even at their peak, they're still beatable. So the Nets are – I'm ruling them out. I can't do it no more with them. I, I think next season is the time to – got to watch Ben Simmons yeah. be acclimated. they got to make a couple more moves. You can't rely on Patty Mills as one of your <laughs> your yeah. bench scores. Like, it, it's it's a lot of retooling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's just there would be too much that would have to come together in a short period of time for this yeah. team to make a run. Troy, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that, but I'm going to – I'm going to add a different reason why I agree with that. And that's going to be because of their playoff seed, right? I just can't see them getting past the first round. That's the problem. Good point. Um, I, well, I here's think- the thing right now. They're at, at, if the playoffs were to start today, they would be the 10th seed in the Eastern conference. Exactly. My point. They right would there. be, they would not, first of all, they'd have to win two playing games. Mm-hmm. They'd have to, they'd have to play the Charlotte Hornets. Tough. Yeah. They'd have to play the Charlotte Hornets and they'd have to win that one to get a chance to play the next one. And they would have to play the winner of Cleveland and Atlanta. So you'd have to win two really important games. Now, personally, I'm taking Brooklyn to win those two games because it's the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, same. But, but, but you top, can't get past who's number one, Miami? I, I I don't think so. I think it could be Miami. I think they could, but I don't think it's going to happen, Sean. If 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 there's so. if, if there's any number one seed I want, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, it's the Miami Heat. Okay, I will agree with oh, that. Well, yeah. but I still I still can't. I would yeah. probably I would give it like well. they have like a maybe 18, 19, 20% chance of beating Miami. Listen. I agree with you that their championship position is is chalked. However, unless Giannis Antetokounmpo is on the other side of the court, I am not betting against Kevin Durant in a, in a playoff series. I'm just not. Yeah. I mean, we we looked at this team last year. Look at what Kevin Durant did. They almost got to the freaking Eastern Conference Finals. They were a toe away. But but Sean, I think what they're missing and a big part of what they did last year is that Joe shooting. Harris. Joe Harris. Shooting. And Shamit. They had so much shooting, and they I mean, don't they have, do have the Seth, same. They, they do have Seth Curry. They have Seth Curry. They have Patty and I, Mills. And I, and I, Okay, Patty I'll, I'll give you. Three, I'll give you Seth Curry. I, I like Patty Mills. I really do, but he's not Joe Harris. All right, Joe Harris he's, is a. He's a, not a, Joe Harris. Patty Mills has kind of been falling off lately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I love Patty. I mean, he obviously when he was with the Spurs were during his prime years, but right now it's like that's the team you're walking in, basing the number one seed with, like. Uh, right. But again, to your point, you have two guys on the other side of the court, Kyrie and Katie, who are money at any time of the, of the of the game it can be fourth quarter late in the game they're still going to get a bucket or it can be in the beginning of the game so you just i just don't trust them sean i think that's what it more so is it's not that's like i'm not going to deny the talent but i just yeah i can't trust them it's just my one know. thing is if they're again if there is a if there is a team i would want to play yeah. in the first round it is the miami heat because well, i would smart. argue I wouldn't trust the Heat much right now either. Now they 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 did they have won four in a row after they kind of had that really difficult stretch. Or last week we just t- kind of talked about how how bad things looked there for a bit. But you know, again, I just this this team. I again, you look at you look at you have to look at like when when you do have a team that's it, when it does get to the playoffs at a certain point, you do have to look at the top of those rosters. Now, obviously, I think Bam Adebayo is going to be a problem in that series. I think. I think Jimmy Butler, you know, is a, is a great defender. I, I think I think they that team would give him a lot of problems. Tyler Hero, Duncan, all them yeah. boys. Yeah, but again, it's how, like 
I don't, I don't look at that Miami roster and I don't look at them going, Oh, well, they're going to, they're going to out, they're going to be able to outscore the nets four times. I got a question for you, Sean. Uh Could this Brooklyn team beat a Chicago or a Boston? Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chicago. Uh Because that's actually another team I wanted to talk about Troy. And that's actually a great segue because the Chicago bulls are officially two and 18 against teams in the top of the NBA. The Chicago Bulls, um, the they are two and nineteen versus the top eight teams in the league. Is that is that with everybody like healthy? That's just that, period, right? That's just period. Yeah. That is just as a team, they are two and nineteen against teams. I was so against excited the, for the Bulls, man! Like yeah. it, especially earlier in the season when they had Lonzo Ball, like they had. They had length. They had Lonzo, Zach Levine, yeah. DeMar DeRozan. They had Vucevic out there, Patrick Williams. Like, I was excited. Caruso coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. But now I think just injuries and, and not even just that when they were healthy, like they're clearly not experienced enough together playing, gelling together this season. Like you're going to have to give them more time. But I'm a little disappointed, Sean, to say the least. You know what they kind of really... remind me of? They remind me of the Atlanta Hawks back in like the in like the 2000s. When like it was like oh well, this is a team that's like towards the top of the standings, yeah, really good in the regular season, but you weren't scared of them at all when it came to the playoffs. Like like yeah. like a lot of good solid players, good big man, good versatile wings. But I, was- I see I see more of a Utah. I mean I see Chicago in there, but I see Utah and Miami kind of fit in that Atlanta that old school Atlanta role. I don't I don't know, but yeah, no, that's understandable. That's understandable. Yeah. But I mean, again, the just the Bulls, it's been. I mean, like, let's just not sugarcoat it. Ever since the All-Star break, it's been ugly. And uh, the Detroit Pistons have had a better record than them since the All-Star break and the Golden State Warriors. So it's been, their season's been chalked for a while now. And, you know, I, I think with the Lonzo situation, that hurt them a ton. But even with Lonzo on the court, I always felt like they were a piece away from being for real. I always felt like they were a Jeremy Grant away from being for real. And I still think yeah. that way. So, um, you know, and, and here's, here's the thing that's going to get scary for Chicago. DeMar DeRozan had a hell of a season this year. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantees playing like that next year. In fact, I think it's unrealistic to expect him to play like that next year. I mean, especially with how consistent he's been. He, he's 32 years old, guys. He's going to be 33 next year. Yeah, he can't be, he can't be the player to lead you to a championship. <laughs> no. No, that, that ain't that ain't the, that ain't the guy. DeMarco Zach Levine's got to step up. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. one area we we've seen glimpses of this year, but not as much as I was actually expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's he, he you know in all honesty, like I I think I, I I definitely think Zach Levine's a really talented scorer, but again, at a certain point, like the next step is how do you affect winning. And, and even though this team is, is significantly improved over where they were last year, I would argue Zach Levine's not the reason why. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think they have a lot of things they got to figure out too. Very similar to the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers situation, at least, you know, like the bulls are making the playoffs. At least they actually had a lot of signs of promising things to start. But as far as the questions they have to answer, I think it's very similar in that light. Um, another situation, I, I saw something today and this isn't really news, but it's a stat that I came by that, that came by my, my timeline and it blew my mind. John wall since signing his supermax contract 
with the Washington Wizards has played 40 games. 40 games. Zero the, the season after he signed it. 40 with the Rockets uh, last year. And none at all this year. No one traded for him. The Rockets weren't willing to buy him out. And quite frankly, until the Rockets are able to buy him out, I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, is John Wall's contract the worst contract in NBA history? And real quick, before we before we go into it, like I actually like John. I love John Wall's game. Like before all of this, remember days in, at least in Washington, mm-hmm. seeing him early num- former number one overall draft pick by the way yep. coming out uh, of Kentucky, coming out now into the NBA. Now he's never been your twenty-five point scorer, but you know he's he's a consistent nineteen and eight, nineteen and nine guy. He's had multiple double-digit assists uh, seasons. He's still he's the best been, player from that yes, draft, I think. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And not only that, what he gives you on the other side of the floor too. And, and there was always arguments: John Wall, the fastest player in the NBA. But now, it, it, where are we now? The injuries. Didn't he slip and fall and like tear his uh, Achilles? Like there was so much he, weight, he, random I'm, stuff happening. Well, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he was drunk. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was partying and, and enjoying himself around the house, having some drinks. I'm pretty sure he like fell. Yeah. It was something crazy, but it, I take that back though. He was the second best player from that draft because Paul George, we're going to go there. Well, right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Keep going. Sorry. But again, like it, I appreciate the player of John wall, but to, to this point, I mean, you could make a legit argument that that contract, man, my God. Mm-hmm. And when he got traded to Houston to play with James Harden, James has already had one leg out the door, one ha- halfway out the door already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. And you saw a deal earlier this year with the Lakers. The Lakers, uh, the Rockets offered that the Lakers, hey, we'll give us a pick and you can have uh, John Wall. We'll take Russell Westbrook, which, number one, why would I? The, the, essentially the same player. I mean, I'd get John Wall. You don't really you even see to play basketball. I mean, he's probably a better defender, but I don't know that. And why am I giving you a draft pick for him? Like, it, it didn't make any sense. So, mm-hmm. John Wall, I really don't have an option. You can't buy him out. So, he's pretty yeah. much just unavailable well, until it's – Yeah. Well, I don't well, know. You're, you're probably going to be able to buy him out this year because at this point, he is going to be heading into the final year of his contract. However, it's a player option, which I'm going to go out on a limb. I think he's going to pick it up. I don't That's know the why. Westbrook thing. The Russell Westbrook but thing. To We're me – I have a hard time seeing John Wall leaving forty-seven million dollars on the table. Oh, yeah. That's Hell just no. me. I don't know why, but that's just my hunch. He probably make um, forty-seven million the rest of his career if he signs another extension. Like no one's paying him thirty, twenty-five million dollars a year. John Wall. He so might take make that for. He's going to get a veteran minimum wherever he goes next. He's a minimum guy. Forty-seven. Same with Russell Westbrook. Because no guarantees in the NBA, especially how bad they've been playing. So they are both uh, going to be Wall. veteran minimum or mid-level exception guys after this. Mid-level is generous. So, especially John Wall. I mean, Especially the talent we've been seeing, Sean, of how deep this league is. We've talked about that so many times. But look at all the upcoming talent. Mm -hmm. Like, these are guys, I hate to say it. Actually, I don't really hate to say it. But that isn't worth our time talking about anymore. Think about the young talent in this league. They're the old guard now. They're the the truly old guard now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's musical chairs, musical yeah. chairs. You got to find your seat or yeah. else, you know, you'll get booted out. Yeah, John Morant, Damian Lillard, those guys, you know, rise up. Kemba Walker. Trey you know. Young. Yeah, Trey Young. That's another one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's 
it's just a litany of guys where it's just all right this it's clear that like it's it's obvious that these guys just aren't nba starting caliber anymore they're not the only team i could see john wall starting for next year is the lakers that's it <laughs> which not good. which there were real conversations being had at the deadline of if the lakers should give up a first round pick to go get john wall for russell westbrook you know what team I'd like to see John Wall on? I know this is random. The Sacramento Kings? Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that, uh, Sacramento, send Russell, send John Wall, send all the bad contracts all over to Sacramento. I'll be good with that. Dude, but dude a fit, just, a like the, for, just like how the Pistons had a front court of three big men who couldn't shoot. Let's, get a, let's, run, let's run a three guard system in Sacramento with Russell Westbrook, oh. De'Aaron Fox, and John Wall, and just oh dude, that makes me want to vomit, <laughs> like actually vomit. <laughs> you know what team? No, you mentioned you mentioned Boston. I think two teams that if John Wall is healthy and he can, you know, be at least a fraction of what he was a couple years ago, and he can go to a team that doesn't need to rely on him. Boston or the Clippers? I like both of those spots. I like the Clippers imagine, a lot for him. Imagine the Clippers, his versatility. You don't have to do much. John, just facilitate. You got two, one of the best wings, both of the one of the best wings in the NBA. At least he'd be a beneficiary of that. But again, to your point, Sean, he ain't making what he's making. He's probably going to sign a couple million dollars to go to LA, yeah. try and win the title, wherever he goes. Yeah. But um, honestly, I want to see John Wall play again. I mean, I do. I enjoy watching him play basketball. He's just been so underwhelming. Like, even yeah. when he's playing, he was playing for the Rockets a year ago. And even when he was playing, it's like, all right. Like, this isn't yeah. really the same John Wall. He doesn't have the same spark. But And remember, too, guys, him and Bradley Beal took that Washington Wizards team somewhat far in that playoffs. And he hit some big shots. Yeah. John Wall hit some big shots he, in that playoffs. You know what's amazing again, by the way? The Washington Wizards are now in a position – where they might give Bradley Beal the exact same contract they just gave John Wall. And they might just put themselves in the exact same position they were just in all over again. And not they, learn their lesson. Like no lesson whatsoever being comprehended in their brains. Also, can we just say, by the way, the Kristaps Portzingis move really was a big L for them. Can we talk about how bad they look or how good Spencer Dinwiddie looks? How reportedly God. they didn't like him in they didn't like him in Washington, it's and now right. he's made Dallas a legitimate team. Like, can we talk about that? Because like that is mind-boggling to me. Well, Dinwiddie is more than playing great, Sean. He yeah. is a he's a second, third option right now for them. Mm-hmm. Big shots too. Dinwiddie's been hitting game winners. Haven't they been calling him Spencer Winwitty? Like, isn't that literally what they've been calling him in Dallas just because he's getting dubs? Like, he's a completely different player in Dallas than he was in than he was in Washington. He was a 30. Uh, I forgot who it was. It might have been Kenny Smith, actually, who said it on TNT a couple nights ago. But he said sometimes, you know, when you get a new, you know, address, you get maybe even a new phone number, and you you actually psychologically feel like a new person and and that just inspires you to ball out he actually said that on live tv and i was like he might have a point there Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know talking about dinwiddie so yeah absolutely and and and, but i also do think i also think part of it was he was playing for the washington wizards because i firmly believe they're just a bad franchise so Mm -hmm. uh i i think john wall never lived up to uh you know going back to john wall real quick i i I don't think he 
lived up ever to being the type of player that I think we thought he could have been out of college because he was a star when he was at Kentucky. John I mean, Wall, the, right? Yeah, John Wall. <laughs> John Wall. Yeah, yeah, good times. But, you know, now, I mean, he's he's never been less desirable as an NBA player, and that's just where we're at. But, you know, again, that's just – it's it's the circle of life in the game of basketball, man. A lot of these athletic-based players – it's like it's like it's like when a running back turns thirty in the NFL. It's like the kiss of death, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, once you once you get over the hump of thirty, once you start aging a little bit, when you're an athletic an athletic base point guard, you're gonna have to adapt, and that's yeah. just the way it is. So they just ha- they just have shorter shelf lives. They just do. But with that, Troy, it's that time, man. It's time for us to. To, before we say goodbye, before we at, end this episode for this week, by the way, we're almost to episode 50 of the From Half Court podcast, which is crazy Woo! to think about. Troy, it's time for us to go from Mount Rushmore. What are we doing today, Troy? Yeah, uh, thanks, Sean. I think today uh, might be a little bit too early on this. I might be a week too early, but we're going to kind of do a combined. We're not going to necessarily do a Mount Rushmore, more like a tribe Rushmore. Uh, but also kind of a legacy, a little bit of the mix of the two, what we've been doing. Um, and we're going to tell the audience um, individually what our favorite NBA playoff was of the past 22 years, since 2000. Oh, what, so like a specific playoff? To, right here. So, yes. Cho- think maybe for a second. I already got my year uh, remembered. And it has to be a year that we watched closely and fully. So, of course – I, I, I should say 04 as a Pistons fan, but I'm, I'm not going to say 04 because um, I wasn't following the NBA back then, unfortunately. So um, think a little bit. Maybe there's a couple memories that come to mind that uh, you're not quite sure the year on. Maybe go look online what that was or a oh, moment. No. Um, but uh, I, I would like to start first since it's mm-hmm. uh, my little segment here. And the NBA playoff that I enjoyed watching the most and will always – be one of my favorite until it gets beaten is the 2009 playoffs. Um, that playoffs was so fun. What started off fun was in the first round between the Boston Celtics, a two seed and the seventh seed Chicago bulls. If you guys remember, mm-hmm. this was Ben Gordon's year of uh, six man of the year. And uh, this was the year after the Celtics won the championship. And they went to a seven-game series, and they, uh, I think, had seven overtimes, like, all together in all seven games because it was a couple of triple overtime games. So seven overtimes within the series, and um, it just was so fun. That was a Derrick Rose. Uh, Derrick, that was Derrick Rose's rookie year. Uh, Joe Kimno was on that team, and the Bulls were just such a fun team to play against that Celtics. But, of course – Celtics prevail with that big three. And then going on in the West, uh, Denver Nuggets actually made the Western Conference Finals with uh, their first year with Chauncey. Now, that was the year that they got him. Uh, and Carmelo balled out, uh, but it wasn't a match against Kobe's Lakers. And then the number one seed for the East was the was the Cavs team with Mo Williams and LeBron James and Verjao and Agauskas. And um, they were kind of the consensual uh, – the, you know, consensual – for uh Eastern consensus. Conference, consensus i'm sorry what am i what am i saying consensual about sex buddy yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Eastern Conference champions i mean everyone and their mother thought they would get out of the east right, be, right. it was gonna be a kobe lebron finals that year but then 
Hidu Turkoglu, Dwight Howard, Rashard Lewis, they stopped them uh, in the second round and then beat the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals to go on and face Kobe's Lakers. And Kobe's Lakers got the, the final word, winning it in five games. And Kobe's first championship, uh, apart from Shaq. Yep. Um, so that, that season was so fun because there was so many upsets. But also the league, that's the, that's the time that I think is the closest to what we have now of just so much talent throughout the NBA. And our Pistons did make the playoffs that year. We, we got swept by the Cavs first round. Um, no Iverson because he refused to play. We, I think we had a lineup of Stucky, Aaron Aflalo, uh, Rip Hamilton, and Tayshawn Prince and Rasheed Wallace. I think Rasheed Wallace was playing center. So um, that was our team. So I, I had to throw our Pistons in that, in that playoff. But uh, for me, uh, every game was a fun game to watch. The league was so deep. There was upsets. Um, that's got to be the playoffs that I'm thinking of. That's fair for me. I'm going to go a little later than that. I'm going with the 2016 NBA playoffs. Took it right out of my mouth. Uh-huh. Now, Jeff, not only was this the year that the Warriors blew the 3-1 lead, this was the year that the Thunder blew yes. the 3-1 lead. Absolutely. Yeah. This was the year when the Toronto Raptors had to begin to face their demons and to, con and to confront the LeBron situation in the eastern conference this was the year when uh the 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 eastern conference first round had a lot of competitive series the pistons made it that year too and and even though like even though like that like we got swept and it was hey. like a complete crap shoot like that was a competitive Johnson, fun series yeah. Stanley Johnson in that Stanley series? Johnson guarding LeBron. Remember that KCP dunk in game three? Listen, man, oh, I, yeah. listen, I've been to a lot of Pistons games in my life. Few moments were more hype than when KCP yammed it on LeBron in that breakaway dunk. Uh, that was I'm that was hype. Uh, but like just every seer, like every round in that playoffs just had something to be intrigued with. You know, there was the seven game series with the Raptors and the Heat in the semifinals. There's the uh just just all all the like there's the Spurs, uh, the Spurs Thunder Spurs, series. Like, yeah, yeah like that's like always a great series whenever those two teams play against each other. Like the it was just every single round had intriguing matchups and had crazy things. I mean, Toronto literally on their like, you know, being one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, they literally had two seven game series on their road to um on their road to the Cavaliers. It was you know, every round was competitive and yeah. I, and you know, like, even though we knew where it was going to end up ultimately, or at least I think a lot of us felt like we knew because that was the year the Warriors went 73 and nine, but this was the, this was also when Kevin Durant, this was the beginning of the end for Oklahoma yeah. city. This was just all the implications that this playoffs had on the league and where it went and where we're at now. Yeah, we're still facing, um, I guess the the results of that series that or yeah. that that whole that whole playoffs yeah I think this playoffs literally shook the NBA's foundation and turned it yeah. on set no and think about it guys if the, if the Warriors win the championship do they call Kevin Durant no hell no see a lot of different things happen and that's the that's ah you just what ifs man you got mm -hmm. so many of them coming out of 2016 which bracket. means KD stays. Right, mm -hmm. uh, it's a I, now. I don't know if he's. I just don't know. 
because he now think about it. They lost the championship. They win and got Kevin Durant. Draymond called him from the parking lot. Everyone knows that story. Now what changes? They win the championship. Do they call Kevin Durant? They already beat LeBron. They beat the Cavaliers. They know they're the best team. And then now what does that look like for Kevin Durant if he joins the Warriors? Because now you're joining the the champions. You're joining mm-hmm. the NBA champions. So the narrative the narrative changes. So yeah, so many things change, man. Yeah. So can I uh, can I throw in an honorable mention for you, Jeff? Since since I took the one right out of your mouth. Throw another. Who else? Throw one. Uh, in. Yeah, the 2008 playoffs. Yeah, the the, the first Celtics. matchup, the first matchup between the Celtics and the Lakers, the seven game series against the Cavaliers and the and the Celtics in the second oh, round. That was so fun. The, I remember uh, watching game. That was my first year of like getting into the NBA. I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't all in yet, but mm-hmm. that actually made me all in for the next season. Yeah, uh, and that was, that's what got me into watching the greatness of Ray Allen. Like this man mm-hmm. hit jump shots like I've never at a clip I've never seen. At least at that age, I was eight years old at the time. So a lot of things were new to me. But yeah, the the, the Celtics versus Lakers series, I mean, that's iconic, man. We didn't get yeah. to see it at least as kids in the '90s and the '80s. Uh, but now in, in, in 2008, we got to see it: Kobe versus uh, Paul Pierce and the boys. Yeah. So the 2008 the and the 2010 series, both yeah, oh, were, yeah. Both, both were two of the best finals in my lifetime. Got, got revenge. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's what I love mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Ron Artest with that big shot in 2010. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Who mm-hmm. else but Ron Artest? Uh, yeah. Then he was like, after the game, he was like, yeah, I was supposed to win a championship with the Pacers, but this will do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and not to bring it full circle to, the end, to end the episode, but Ron Artest was actually on the Kings the last time they made the playoffs. And with that, I want to, <laughs> I want to say, Thank you so much for watching. <laughs> I want, I just, what better way to end the episode than shitting on the Kings? You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we started by shitting on the Kings. We, we go in there, we talk about basketball, and then we end it by shitting on the Kings. Mm-hmm. That's how we do it here. So, that shit on the Kings. Yep, exactly. If you're a Kings fan, yourself but anyway i want to think <laughs> no no don't do that just switch teams man it's not too late switch teams yeah, yeah switch we love teams. you to switch yeah guys you're in you're in california just take the warriors just yeah. do it just ride the bandwagon you deserve it i have a comfort food i'm a lions fan believe me i get it i know sickness i know it well i can mm-hmm. i can see it but anyway i don't move on for my team so maybe i'm hypocritical there but anyway this is the From Half Court Podcast. Reach every week. We all sit down and talk NBA basketball. If you like this podcast, be sure to leave us a positive rating. Like this video. Subscribe to the channel and follow us on Twitter to make sure that you're catching up with everything that we have going on. Also, be sure to follow my guy Troy at Troy3044. Be sure to follow my guy at Jeff Iafrady. And be sure to check out his YouTube channel as well because his content is coming there too. But with that, we want to thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will catch you next time from Half Court. Be sure to subscribe.